Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. Today on the Less Stressed Life, we have... A really fun guy, and that is a total pun. We have Jeff Chilton, who was raised in the Pacific Northwest, but he's just a total mushroom head, basically. So he studied ethnomycology at the University of Washington in the late 60s. I mean, we're going to get some history. Um, Actually, let me just tell you something fun about Jeff. So Jeff lives outside of... um, He's British Columbia. He lives on Vancouver Island. And then he winters in Argentina for trout fishing. I mean, don't you love him already? Um, But he's basically this, like he is the, he's an incredible mushroom expert, basically. So he's worked all over in mushrooms. Um, Basically in the seven, like it started in the sixties, in the seventies, he uh, did a bunch of mushroom conferences, which was probably way ahead of his time, honestly. Um, And then he had a book about mushrooms in the eighties. And then um, he traveled a lot to China, looking at the supplement industry in the nineties, did a bunch of conferences. So it's pretty awesome. And through all this experience, he really culminated it to create his company, Namex. I'm hoping, I hope I am saying it right, which was really the first to offer complete line of certified organic mushroom extracts to the nutrition supplement industry. So I'm really curious um, kind of about that. So he's kind of, the way I see it is that probably he's the mushroom extracts that you buy if you buy supplements, I'm guessing. So we'll talk about that. It's really fun. He is, he is like the man behind the thing that you see on the shelf. Welcome, Jeff. Hi, Krista. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So let's stop, start top level. Um, let's help people understand why they care about mushrooms. First, mushrooms, if I was to say like last year at this time, I would have said, I feel like mushrooms are the emerging trend. But I mean, you're back here in the 70s doing crazy stuff. So let's talk about um, overall, let's talk about mushrooms, how we want to classify them. I think about them being adaptogens, um, which are, you know, help us deal with stress and kind of like a, I kind of put them in that herbal category. But can you tell me how you view mushrooms and and what you see as nutritional benefits? Like, what are some of the big things there? Well, I, I mean, you're absolutely right about mushrooms being adaptogens. I mean, I, I consider mushrooms actually one of the premier adaptogens. In fact, the way I look at them is food as medicine. Mushrooms are just a fabulous food. There's something, you know, the first thing I tell people when they're talking about, oh, I want to supplement with mushrooms, I just say, you know, start out by eating some mushroom. Mushrooms have a, a a good level of protein, 20 to 40 percent. They are high in uh, very good carbohydrates, mannitol being one of those, which is a very slow-acting sugar. And the other thing about the carbohydrate content of mushrooms is that it's primarily made up of beta-glucans. And beta-glucans, which we'll probably talk about more later, those are make up 50 percent of the cell wall of a mushroom and those are the compounds in a mushroom that give it its immunological activity. And that uh, immunological activity, really, when you talk about adaptogens, adaptogens are something that are, are working in the background. Adaptogens uh, are uh, give you uh, homeostasis. They're, they're something that you can think of as a harmony herb. So they're, they're out there. They're counter, counteracting stress. 
They're regulating some of our body processes. If, if, if we need a little bit uh, uh, more of, uh, let's say, immune cells, it'll sort of give you more, but uh, it won't uh, kick in until you really need it. So this is one of the things about mushrooms. They are going to be there working in the background. You t don't expect mushrooms to, to kick in and work overnight. That's not how they work. Mushrooms are something that you need to be taking for a period of time, and then they're there in the background helping you over, let's just say, your general, you're feeling down, you're feeling kind of lack of energy, or you're, you're stressed out in some ways. Those mushrooms are going to be there in the background helping you out. So, that, that's how I look at mushrooms. I love it. I love what you said about beta-glucans. That's going to be a really fun discussion. So let's talk about how – this is how I've seen mushrooms in the market so far, and I'd like to hear your opinions about this. So first I started taking a mushroom supplement for exercise performance. So I'm curious – and I don't remember. I think it – I got to go. I should have pulled all my mushrooms out and looked at them. Um, <laughs> but I don't remember what that one is. But here's the ones where I really see a difference. So we have reishi. I think it's relaxing. Chaga and lion's mane. Now, I could be getting this wrong. I'm pretty sure everything's mushroom. Chaga and lion's mane, I mean, those those actually do work for me. Like, I feel like I'm ultra-focused if I put some of that in some kind of beverage or tea or whatever um, or just drink them plain. Uh, so I see reishi mushroom or I'm seeing reishi, chaga, lion's mane. What are some other really common ones you feel are very mainstream in market where maybe the listeners are saying, oh, I have seen that or that's in a product I'm taking because this stuff is sneaking into products. Yeah, it's funny because uh, right now mushrooms have all are trending, and they're sort of like people are calling the next big superfood. Well, I started growing mushrooms commercially on a very big mushroom farm back in 1973. I worked on that farm for ten years. I literally lived with mushrooms, and and knew this from that period. I mean, I knew the benefits of mushrooms from that far back. And, and, and I think the one, uh, you know, in terms of you spoke about three different mushrooms that are uh, reishi, for example, I would call that near adaptogen. Um, the lion's mane now, uh, that's what a lot of people have are taking because of its nootropic uh, benefits. So it actually stimulates nerve growth factor, which uh, stimulates the growth of rights. So those are the things that we need, and we need those to keep uh, being reduced. Uh, that to do with our cognition and memory. And, you know, who can't use something that'll help memory, correct? I mean, no especially doubt. as we get old. So, so uh, and also it's shown some, some on dementia. Well, dementia is now a huge issue out there. The one that uh, I think some of the others that you haven't mentioned, which people are familiar with, would be cordyceps. Mm -hmm. And cordyceps is a really, really cool fungus that that um, historically has been wildcrafted up at the uh, Tibetan plateau, and literally, uh, it's a it's a caterpillar that uh, overwinters in the earth. Uh, so it goes in, it hibernates, and while it's hibernating, these spores of cordyceps actually take it over and consume it completely. And then in the in the summer, pops this little blade-like fungus. So what they call cordyceps is caterpillar fungus. And people are out there on hands and knees collecting these things. In the last 20 years, cordyceps has gone from, uh, like in the early 90s, I could buy a, a kilo of cordyceps for uh, $1,000. Now they get up to $20,000 for a dried kilo of cordyceps, which just outrageous. Of course, nobody can 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 actually afford to buy it. And and one of the interesting things about it is when I tried to introduce cordyceps, that caterpillar fungus companies in the early night looked at me like um, customers do not want to eat insects, and also we have customers that are vegetarians. They don't want to eat caterpillar meat. Okay, mm. <laughs> that's that's fine. But today, there's a really cool thing is that is. In the last 10 years, and, and this is what I love about China. China is like like the birthplace of mushroom cultivation. China right now produces 85% of the world's mushrooms. Now, uh, the, the world is full of I mean, thousands of species of mushrooms, but there's only about maybe a dozen or two that can actually be cultivated. So think about that. Of all of this huge kingdom of guy and there's only uh, two dozen of these that can be cultivated think of all the plants that we can grow so just recently 
scientists in China have figured out how to grow cordyceps, the actual little blade-like cordyceps, not, not the caterpillar, the blade-like. So now in our company, we have 100% cordyceps that we are selling and at very, very reasonable price. And, and that to me is like, you know, whenever a new mushroom comes in, uh, Chris, whenever somebody learns how to grow a it's like a huge, huge deal because, like I'm saying, only a few dozen mushrooms actually can be cultivated. So, so cord and cordyceps is used primarily for. Um, it was used for people who had neurasthenia traditionally, and that means you, you you're just coming out of illness. You're weak. You're fatigued. That's when they prescribe cordyceps. Now, cordyceps is being used by a lot of people who are are athletic. They're uh, maybe training some way they they're looking for something that'll help them out a little bit with their tiredness their fatigue and so on so cordyceps has really penetrated the athletic market so that's that's another one right now the top four that i that out there really trending right now are uh, lion's mane is number one everybody wants lion's mane now uh reishi cordyceps and chaga so one thing I think you cut out just for a second is you were talking about how lion's mane is a nootropic and it stimulates nerve growth and well well that that's the primary thing that lion's mane is used for now is actually stimulating what's called nerve growth factor and nerve mm -hmm. growth factor is a protein that actually is responsible for for promoting the growth of neurites and those neurites are are what are being destroyed and created all the time by by us uh, but as we get older the uh new growth of neurites starts to slow down and that's one of the causes that they figure for loss of memory and dementia and maybe even alzheimer's so the promotion of, of of this nerve growth factor is very important and if we have something that can actually do that and, and you know people now they're always looking for an edge so this is why we've got this whole category now out there called nootropics mm -hmm. and so Everybody wants something that will somehow enhance their performance. And so, so lion's mane is just like taken off and everybody and his brother is looking for lion's mane. Yeah. I've actually been looking for someone to talk about nootropics. Maybe you're the guy. But let's talk a little <laughs> bit about cordyceps here. So my first question is, if cordyceps is so expensive, do you feel like the market for cordyceps could be adulterated, right? We're not really, we don't really, um, we don't really regulate supplements and food. So it's easy for someone to say this is cordyceps, but it's not really cordyceps. Is that possible? Well, well, here, here's, here, here's the thing is, is that, you know, I said that cordyceps was one of the most expensive herbs and it was it, actually, that was the wildcrafted cordyceps at $20,000 a kilogram. Well, mm -hmm. the fact is, is now that we can cultivate cordyceps, the wildcrafted price and the wildcrafted cordyceps is like nobody could afford that. Um, now it's at a very reasonable price, under $100 a kilogram, dry kilogram. So if you go in, you can you can buy uh, real cordyceps now, and then that's the that's what's really interesting. It's it's real. It's got no caterpillar on it at all, and the caterpillar fungus, the cordyceps. You would take that, you'd eat the caterpillar and the fungus. This is just the fungus, so it's it's quite reasonably priced now so anybody can go out there and get cordyceps but in terms of adulteration look man don't get me started about adulteration the the supplement market has got so many uh fast buck artists out there they're mm -hmm. just trying to make uh, uh money and and my category of mushrooms is full of products that are not really mushroom can you believe mm -hmm. that there's a lot of products that are being sold as mushrooms that are not really mushrooms and and a great example of that is um are you familiar with the food called tempeh uh i'm familiar with food, tempeh yes very much so okay well tempeh is actually cooked soybeans with mm -hmm. a fungus grown on it because mm -hmm. it's fermented so, soybean yeah, yeah. So the fungus is growing on. So, so um, and when you buy it, it's this, it's this the soybeans, and you look at it, and it's all white. That white is uh, mushroom mycelium. And just so your listeners understand this, um, a mushroom is is a plant part. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Just like if we're if you've got ginseng or something, ginseng is sold and it's the root. So so every plant has got multiple what we call plant parts, and each one of those parts has a has different benefits because the the root of ginseng uh, is certainly different than the leaves and what it contains, and so that's why people are are consume the root just like with with a mushroom. A mushroom is one part of this fungal organism, and it has three parts. It has spores, it has what's called mycelium, and then it has a mushroom. And so when that spore first germinates, it germinates into a very fine filament, and when multiple of those fine filaments come together, they'll fuse together to form a network, and that network is called mycelium, and that mycelium is what we never see. It's out there in the ground. It's it's uh, decomposing everything. That's what it does. That's what fungi do. They decompose all the organic matter. So it's out there, and it's amassing nutrients. And when conditions are right, then like like for us up here in the Pacific Northwest, when when it, it comes fall, it gets cooler. It starts to rain. Perfect conditions for a mushroom to come up, and so it produces a mushroom, and then that mushroom will. Uh, um, mature and produce spores and then we have basically closed this life cycle loop so we have a spore we have a mycelium we have mushroom what some companies are doing now is they're actually growing that mycelium in a laboratory on cooked grain Mm -hmm. much like the way that tempeh is manufactured and they sell it as a mushroom Mm -hmm. yeah so so if if you go out to the marketplace and you're looking for for a mushroom product well, chances are you may very well end up with one of these myceliated grain tempeh-like products, and <clears throat> it doesn't have anywhere near the benefits of the mushroom. And the other part of that is that what you end up mostly getting is starch in these mm-hmm. in these products. So, so man, the supplement market is like a minefield trying to trying to figure out what's a good product. It's very very difficult. Well, we definitely need to cover that here in a minute, right? We need to cover out where the best places are to get mushrooms. Um, I know when we talk general supplement education, you know, really knowing integrity of company, um, feeling really yes. good about that company integrity. What is their third party testing for quality? Yes. Being, you know, and really going yes, with brands. Yes, like once yes. you know brands, you feel comfortable with that brand, right? So you can trust that brand. To That's be. right. That's yeah. absolutely. It's just like going to a, a uh, physician or a naturopath or an herbalist. You you talk to your friends. Okay, who who is it out mm-hmm. there that's that's a good one? You know what I mean? Exactly. It's just like that. You're exactly right. Um, I yeah. love that. So I have a question about. Uh, I work with people with food issues, but a lot of times other issues pop up, right? Bacterial overgrowth, fungal overgrowth. So let's dispel maybe a bit of a myth potentially. It's thought yes. that if people, um, if people kind of present with fungal, quote unquote, fungal issues, let's just talk about it in layman's terms. The CDC estimates that seventy-five percent of women have have a history of vaginal yeast infection at least one time in their life, meaning that they're experiencing fungal or um, candida type overgrowth. So let's talk yep. about some people would say, you know, people with fungal or candida overgrowth should avoid mushrooms and yeast and other things like that. What do you have to say about that? Well, you know what, that that is a very interesting mythology. It's kind of like the doctrine of signatures, which is like like produces like. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you really think that eating a certain food will will <clears throat> necessarily produce the uh, that same food in your system? So in other words, and actually, the thing is with mushrooms, and, and, and a mushroom is very different from yeast, and, and a mushroom is not going to necessarily feed that yeast any more than any other food will, will feed that yeast. In fact, mushrooms, uh, medicinal mushrooms, are actually used to counteract candida. Mm-hmm. So, so, so really, to me, that's a myth. And, and if you go out there and if you, and if you search, search the Internet and see if you can find any actual scientific paper that absolutely demonstrates that the consuming mushrooms will produce or feed a yeast infection you will you will not find it and again like i say that's just this somewhere this idea came up of like oh yeah if you eat mushrooms that's because they are uh, a fungus and yeast is a fungus if you eat mushrooms then you're just going to contribute to your yeast infection two absolutely different fungi and and it's absolutely right. untrue that there's any correlation between eating mushrooms uh and uh 
contributing to your yeast infection. Yeah, it's kind of hard to substantiate because you just said there's thousands of types of mushrooms. And in the same way, I don't know how many types of fungus there are, but they're, they're not the same, right? Each no, no. No, not at all. And yeast is is a very different. It's a single-celled organism, very mm-hmm. different type of fungus than uh, uh, the mushroom. The mushroom's in its own um, family, and you've got you've got uh, other fungi out there that don't even produce what we would call a uh, fruiting body, which is which is the mushroom. Don't even produce anything. All they are is just uh, mycelium, and, and those types of fungi we call molds. So. You'll, you'll see molds out there. And, and, you know, what's interesting is a lot of these molds have produced compounds that are very beneficial for us, like penicillin yeah. mm-hmm. actually has come from a mold. That mold right. does not produce a mushroom. It's in a completely different category than uh, the what produces or the whole mushroom family, totally different category. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it's producing a compound that is – uh, an antibiotic. It's it's very important uh, for us. Yeah, medicine being based on herbs, kind of inspired by nature, was kind of the original source, right? So yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny that you talk about. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about uses of medicinal mushrooms and things before we go into kind of like geography and where you find mushrooms and whatnot. But um, I always, you were talking earlier about how China produces 85% of, of, I think the world's mushrooms. And so I always think that China, I'm I'm one curious about their weather and if that's, if that's part of it um, and their size. Well, go ahead. No, well, so carry on. You can finish. Well, I was, I was just thinking that China, you know, they kind of did, They've done a lot of things right, right? Um, they oh, like, yeah. They, yeah. It's kind of the birthplace yeah. of, of some yeah. pretty oh, oh, ancient yeah. medicine oh, yeah. that, that yeah. kind of knew things first. So it's kind Well, of- and think about Chinese philosophy in general, Taoism and uh, those types of uh, philosophies. I mean, they, they have been there for thousands of years. I mean, uh, a couple thousand years ago, they had a very high culture going on already, whereas, uh, geez, people in Europe were, <laughs> you know, I mean, we had we had Rome and Greece and all of that. But, man, the Chinese, they they produced a culture that I, and, and art and all of this that was just fantastic. And and look, here, here's the thing about China. And I, I first went over there in 1989. And one of the reasons I went over there was because I, I went over to a conference, a mushroom conference. China has got like literally hundreds of thousands of mushroom growers, small farmers. They've been doing this for a long time. They they started growing shiitake mushrooms in the 12th century. Um, now they're the world's largest supplier of shiitake. And again, they produce 85% of the world's mushrooms. They have research institutes everywhere. They've got uh, the farms. They've got factories, uh, conferences. So I was over there just soaking it all up and also just learning more about how they use mushrooms because when I first got into this business and started my company in 1989, I literally was walking around natural food expos and things like that trying to convince companies to put mushrooms into their product line but because nobody, Kristen, nobody in 1989 had a, a mushroom product. Mm-hmm. None of the They all had green herbs because that's what we sort of know in the West. We know more about green herbs. So they all had green herbs. Nobody had a mushroom product. So I I had to literally have articles written. I wrote articles, um, produced books, all sorts of information during the 90s just to educate people to the benefits of mushrooms. And and it's just like, for example – in, in the United States, up until recently, we've only had maybe one mushroom in the marketplace. That, that's the button mushroom. Whereas in Asia, they're eating 12 to 15 different mushroom species over there. And they've had that in their diet for a long, long time. So, so we're just now starting to turn on to this whole idea of mushrooms as food and ultimately mushrooms as medicine. And, and let me let me tell you something that's really I thought was really fun is that uh, I reading up on the his, history of mushroom growing and things like in the 17th century in England, they called mushrooms poor man's meat. Yeah. 
<laughs> poor man's meat and, and and you know sometimes mushrooms are big and very meaty and and you can imagine they're out there they're growing wild you can go out there and harvest these things and put them into your diet and and for people in the countryside out there people looking for for food stuff 17th century poor man's meat a big solid meaty mushroom yeah. Well, actually, that's not, you know, that's not different than what we suggest now. It's kind of funny how history repeats itself, right? Because a lot of people will get a burger on a portobello mushroom. And so that's not <laughs> substituting me, the meat, but they're replacing a portobello with a bun. Or a common recommendation is to make your meat go farther, put mushrooms in it, and no one will know the difference. And so apparently Absolutely. they knew that in the 17th century. too. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. And, and, you know, that's interesting. You're totally into food. So you, you've been following this, this trend. It's like they're now, okay, they've, they've actually done studies where they've they've chopped up mushrooms and they've blended it with uh, ground beef at different uh, concentrations up to at, li- at least 50% and everybody who eats those says it's as good as the regular if not better and and it makes sense whenever i'm eating uh, ground beef uh, literally i'm going to chop up some onions i'm going to chop up some mushrooms i'm going to put it all together and and uh, barbecue it up that's that's the way i would eat a ground beef as a uh, uh, patty, and, and, and it's great. It's really good. Yeah, actually, I'm curious. There's so many directions to go here, but I'm curious since now we're talking about food-based options for mushrooms. I remember not liking, if you're listening to this episode and thinking, well, at least there's mushroom powder. I remember as a food-based thing, I didn't like mushrooms until college because someone prepared them right, which is really a story of every type of food, right? And if it's not prepared right, you don't always love it. And it was prepared. It was sad, right? So I had portobellas in um, sauteed in leftover scampi butter, and they're like candy, and I just kept doing that again. And then, you know, it's just downhill from there. But um, So I'm curious, some of your favorite mushroom preparations, um, just how you like to eat. Absolutely. Let, let me let me give you my my number one in terms of okay. If I just want to have mushrooms on their own as part of my meal, and this is so important, you know, when 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 you talk to people, oftentimes they say, "Oh God, mushrooms! It's like slimy, terrible." And I'm like, "Well, no, I, I don't. Where are you getting this? Well, I know where they're getting it because the key with with mushrooms is you have to cook them in a hot pan on a high heat. I cook mine in butter. That's my oil of choice and and so you get a nice hot pan get that butter nice and hot you throw them in there what happens is that when it's a hot pan it will seal the moisture inside the mushroom if you cook it on too low a heat what happens is all the water comes right out of them they're 90 percent water they're a vegetable i mean not a true vegetable but they're uh, like a vegetable so the water comes right out next thing you know these these mushrooms are sitting in water and they just become a soggy mess. Mm-hmm. So high heat, what I like to do is I, for the other thing is don't slice them too thin, maybe an eighth of an inch or something like that. Um, I like to brown them. So I like to, to sort of caramelize the outside of them. I'll, I'll even, at times in my pan, I'll, I'll flip them over by hand if I have to to get the other side browned up. So I want to brown them up, uh, high heat, uh, don't. I, I like to cook them a little bit longer. I like them to be sort of well cooked, um, and then at that point, I'll I'll uh, just sprinkle a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper. Oh man, it's it's delicious. I, I can hardly uh, get them out of the pan because I'm eating them as I I'm cooking up there. Really <laughs> good. And 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 this is this is you know I'm talking about the agaricus right now. And and look, I I. I was uh, worked on an agaricus farm for 10 years. I lived with them, uh, and I ate a lot of them then. I've never tired of them. I think – I don't care what people say. Wild mushroom hunters are like, oh, yeah, agaricus, it's bland, it's this, it's that. <laughs> yeah, I do not think so. I beg to differ. I think it's very – it's called the mushroom of Paris. I mean, this was that's – where, that's where agaricus cultivation began in the 17th century over in France. And no, I, I think it's a great mushroom. Uh, you know that a portobello is the same as the button mushroom? These are the, the, the same mushrooms. The difference is the portobello has been able to mature, but the button mushroom is harvested immature. Oh, 
it's very, just like green and no. red peppers, just like green and well, red peppers. It's, yeah, so it's, it's it's an immature mushroom, and the why they do that is because it's got a much longer shelf life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you can but, grow it faster, probably. Obviously. Well, I mean, I mean, you you, you can get a lot of. Uh, uh, well, the, it actually takes more time to do the portobello, but it's kind of like one of those ways that they can entice people into, you know, okay, here's another mushroom that you can taste, but. Back in the back in the seventies, when I was on this mushroom farm, we had a Japanese scientist there, and he was doing experiments with shiitake, uh, enoki, and oyster mushrooms. So I was exposed to that from a very early um, part time in my career, and I was just like fascinated. So I I was able to actually eat these mushrooms, which hardly anybody else in the whole country had access to because they weren't being sold in the markets. And in 1978, at our company there, we introduced fresh shiitake mushrooms into our local market in the Seattle area. 1978, that was the very first uh, fresh shiitake mushrooms that were introduced in a major way in the United States. And, And here's what's interesting, is that the whole thing flopped because the feedback at that time was, oh, this shiitake mushroom, it's too strong. I'm like, too strong. It is, it is wonderful. Shiitake mushroom. Are you, are you familiar with shiitake mushrooms? I was just thinking about how embarrassed I am that we don't even have – where I live, I don't have a lot of mushroom options, right? So I can get button and portobello in yeah. my local grocery store. And if I yeah. go a couple hours away, I can find a couple bins of shiitake oh, or oyster. Oh, my God. And I, I and I bet sometimes when you when you get there and see them, they're like they look like hell because they I have. I know. I wonder if I can order properly. them online. I was just I'm pondering in my head. I'm like, could I grow some mushrooms under my front steps in the back <laughs> in the dark where it's moist? I don't know. I was just pondering well, this. You know what? If you can, if you are in the right place, like I mean, out on the West Coast, we've got mushrooms everywhere in terms of in the markets, and and mm-hmm. we can also get dried shiitake mushrooms. Which if there's any any mushroom dried that I would recommend, I would say dried shiitake. It's good. However, uh, if you go in a normal supermarket and you look for the dried mushrooms that they have there, you might be paying three dollars for for maybe fifteen grams. It's like outrageously expensive. Whereas whereas I can buy in my markets here locally in British Columbia, I can buy a pound of dried shiitake for maybe fifteen to twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of dried shiitake and and dried shiitake, they're good. They they are really good. But but do you just put them I, in soups and sauces to rehydrate? Is that how you're preparing dried absolutely. shiitake? Because I'm thinking yeah. I'm like I'm gonna go find some now. I, yes, I think yes, I can go yes, find yes. dried shiitake. That's right. Or or you can just you know a warm water, put them in there, let them rehydrate. Don't don't leave them for too long, or else they'll get waterlogged. But mm-hmm. in there long enough to soften up, and the dried shiitake actually has a very strong flavor because when you dry mushrooms down, that flavor will be concentrated, so it'll be very flavorful. In China, they call shiitake shanggu, which means fragrant mushroom. Mm. It's beautiful. I love it. You're talking to all my foodie, my foodie qualities. Like you're just making me excited about food right now. So <laughs> let's let's talk about let's get other people excited about. Um, some people are you know really motivated by taste, and some people are motivated by health. So let's talk about the health benefits of mushrooms a little deeper. You did mention sure. some key things. You talked about lion's mane being nootropic. You talked about cordyceps becoming uh, more of an endurance type thing. But we yeah. didn't cover a lot. We, we You touched on beta-glucans, but we, I think you can go a little deeper, right, on some of the benefits oh, sure. of, uh, yeah. of mushrooms. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, what, you know, here's what's, what's really interesting about mushrooms is, is when I – first was was uh, in the mushroom growing business back in the 70s classical western nutritionists looked at mushrooms and they said this is actually a non-food everybody uh, it's got a great flavor uh, but the fact is is there's nothing to this there's no real nutritional benefits wrong what they were talking about at the time believe it or not mushrooms are low in calories and to a classical nutritionist in the 70s, if a food did not have any calories, if it was low calorie, it was a non-food. Food has got to have energy in it. It's got to have a lot of calories. It's, you know, and it's like, no, you know, and now, I mean, here we are now at a, in an age where low cal is a good thing. Back then it was like, okay, this mushroom, it's just like a great garnish, but it's certainly not a food. So, so 
you know, mushrooms have um, a great amino acid profile. Um, they've got B vitamins, uh, B1, B2, and B3, niacin, riboflavin, and thiamine. They've got uh, very high amounts of potassium and phosphorus, which is really good. Um, they... They also, uh, uh, getting back to the beta-glucans in their cell walls, they have beta-glucans. And all mushrooms have beta-glucans in their cell walls. That's, that's an important component on that. So you can, you can say to some degree that, that all mushrooms are, are beneficial and have some immunological activity. One of the things about the mushroom cell walls and the mushrooms in general, they're also very, very high in fiber. So, so that's where they have these resistant carbohydrates and, and that fiber is going down and feeding our microbiome. So the fact of the fiber in mushrooms is also a very positive thing. So, but the beta glucans, uh, in certain mushrooms, the, and this is, this is the key to why some mushrooms are medicinal and some are not, is the architecture of the beta glucan changes from mushroom to mushroom changes just a little bit it's just kind of like the way it's put together is just each one is just a little bit different from the other and that and that's the thing too that i want to be clear about is that is that we can't put all mushrooms into the same uh, profile nutritionally right. we can't do that each they're different just as an example shiitake's got 20 percent protein agaricus uh, the button mushroom has 35 percent protein so, so the actual nutrition of each mushroom is a little different, although on, in a general sense, I consider them to be all very beneficial. But getting back to the beta-glucans is that, okay, we've got certain mushrooms that are high in beta-glucans. Guess what? Those end up being the mushrooms that traditional Chinese medicine is telling us are the medicinal ones. And it's like, wow, okay. These medicinal mushrooms all share one thing in common, and that is this high level of these active beta-glucans. So one of the things that my company does is we test we test all our products. We test them, test them, test them. We don't just test them for the standard stuff that you need to know, like uh, heavy metals or pesticides or um, um, microorganisms before we sell them. We've got to pass all those tests, which we do. But we also test them for the beta-glucans. And so we've got, we've got data going back three years now. Uh, we test every single lot that we make when we make up our products. And, and um, so we, we've got beta-glucan information where we can say, okay, this is, this is what this particular mushroom should show beta-glucan-wise. Um, shiitake has 30% beta-glucan. Reishi, interestingly enough, has got 50% beta-glucan. And mm -hmm. that's the other thing that I thought was so interesting is as we started doing these tests and after we built up a body of data that tested maybe 20 different reishi that we had, reishi products that we had, or 20 different shiitake products, we could say, okay, this is what we expect to see. This is the mean of all that. Reishi, here it is. The reishi being the what I consider the premier medicinal mushroom, it was uh, one of the very highest in beta-glucans. And I thought, well, there you go. That makes sense. But we're, we're lucky because some of these really choice edible mushrooms are also high in beta-glucans. Shiitake, maitake, uh, um, another one would be lion's mane. Lion's mane, actually, boy, if you ever get a chance to, to uh, pick up some fresh lion's mane, grab it right now. Mm -hmm. It is really delicious. It's got a really sweet flavor. The other one right now that out there, which I highly recommend to anybody into food mushrooms is called, they call it the King Trumpet. And mm -hmm. it's a type of oyster mushroom. Ah, it is delicious, really good. And, and it also has uh, medicinal benefits. Um, before I leave this one part, let me just tell you, one of the best mushrooms I've ever eaten is a mushroom called Termitomyces. And Termitomyces refers to the fact that this mushroom is cultivated by termites. Ooh, weird. <laughs> yeah. So, so where they get it is they, uh, if you, you find these termite mounds, and down inside the mound, they're growing 
the termites are actually growing this mycelium down there. Well, if you want some really healthy termites, they have to have their food. I feel like I'm on an episode of Planet Earth right now, imagining imagining the termite mounds. I so, literally so, was just watching. Well, yeah, and and so so these mushrooms come shooting out with a super long stem. It could be it could be twelve to twenty inches long with this cap on it, shooting out of these termite mounds, and the mushroom is absolutely delicious. <laughs> That is a that is an interesting image in my head, Jeff. Thanks for thanks for planting that up. I have dreams about termite mound mushrooms tonight. You know, when I think about beta glucans, I really think about um, blood sugar benefits and heart health benefits and microbiome benefits. So, what I heard you basically the translation of what you just said there was like, if you want the best benefits of beta glucans, do some reishi because uh, it's the highest amount, basically. Yes, and, and then the other side of that, of course, is is that you know you can also be eating mushrooms, meaning shiitake or maitake or lion's mane, because they're all 30 to 40% beta-glucan. So you can also be eating mushrooms, uh, getting them into your diet as a, as a wonderful food, plus getting the benefits as a beta-glucan. Um, now, I know what we do for all, we, we don't sell mushrooms per se. What we do is we take our mushrooms and we will dry them. We will then uh, turn them into a powdered extract. So we don't sell just a, a dried mushroom or a fresh mushroom or anything like that. We sell bulk powders because we, we're a, a raw material supplier to the supplement industry. And, of course, the supplement industry, what do they want? They want to, um, to put something in a capsule. Mm -hmm. uh, these, these days, what's really cool and I really love is products that come in pouches. I don't know if you've, if you've turned, in, turned on to that too much, but I love the idea of pouches. Now, all of a sudden, we've got something that's lightweight. You're not shipping a lot of weight around. It's, oh. it's a cool yeah. way to store food and, and on the shelf or, or shipping or whatever. And, and it's so much less, less energy to produce a pouch than it is a glass jar and a metal lid and all the rest. I think about, about all of that, and I just think pouch, pouch, pouch. Yeah, packets. Yeah, I definitely have my mushrooms in packets. And that is one thing I want to talk to you about um, as we talk about sourcing of mushrooms. But that is kind of the big question as as just a real life everyday person. If I want the health benefits of mushrooms, how much do I know? Like what's a good dose of any of these b beneficial mushrooms, cordyceps or chaga or lion's mane? How much? Is it a teaspoon? Does it not matter because of, you know, like herbs, it's energetics. And so just some is good. Like tell me what you think should be how many? How much should you take to see a benefit over how long of time? Well, if you're if you're if you're supplementing, then I would say you're probably needing to take uh, one to two dried grams. And and the key here is what it is that you're actually taking. And I told you earlier about these products out there that were uh, tempeh-like myceliated grain. And, and the problem with with growing the mycelium like they're doing is that they don't separate the grain out at the end of the product. So the, the product ends up being mostly mostly grain. And you're not buying that product because you're looking for grains. You're buying it because you want mushroom tissue. And there's very little mushroom tissue in those products. And they're not mushroom. They're, it's the mycelial stage. So what you have to look for is you have to look at the label really closely because even those particular products, if you look at the, the front label, it will say reishi mushroom and it'll have a great picture of a reishi mushroom. It might even say made with 100% reishi mushrooms. That is that is what how these products are sold. And then if you're lucky, not all companies will do this, but if you're lucky when you turn it over, it will say in the supplements facts, it will say mycelium. Then you go, oh, okay, this is not actually mushroom. It's mycelium. Mm. And then you look down in the other ingredients and maybe if you're lucky, it will say myceliated rice or okay. myceliated oats. Look for that because if you see that, you know right away that you're getting this grain-based mycelium and you're not actually getting mushroom. And, and there's a reason for it, Krista, and this is, this is the worst part about it. There's a reason for it is that growing mushrooms is actually expensive. Mm -hmm. It's very expensive to grow mushrooms. And, and can you imagine? Mushrooms are still harvested by hand. We don't have mechanical pickers for mushrooms. So, so if you ever go to a mushroom farm, uh, like on the mushroom farm that I worked, it's a huge warehouse. It's uh, the agaricus mushroom actually 
doesn't need any light. So, you, so it's actually dark in the agaricus houses. Most mushrooms need light to grow. The uh, button mushroom does not. So we all were walking around with miner's lamps. <laughs> yeah, it's a little depressing. A, so, so there, there it is on this farm. But, but basically, um, it's expensive to grow mushrooms, and and because I'm a mushroom grower by by trade, and I know the economics of it, I realized in the '90s that I cannot grow mushrooms and sell them as a supplement because the minute you dry out a mushroom. Now you have to get 10 times more for it because a mushroom's 90% water, like most mm-hmm. vegetables. So if you're getting $5 a pound for fresh shiitake, you dry those out. Now you have to get $50 a pound for those that mm-hmm. same pound of shiitake. The economics don't work. So if, if, you're, if that product says made in the USA, well, you know, I hate to say this, but it's uh, not mushroom. It's actually this myceliated grain product. And, and the issue is... Those products are very, very low in beta-glucan. The beta-glucan level is down around maybe 5%, and then the starch level is uh, as high as 60%, which is just the opposite of a mushroom. A mushroom is is um, 30 to 60% beta-glucan and less than 5% of starch. In fact, a mushroom doesn't really contain starch. This is something that's really cool too is that is that you know, you, you probably heard the the uh, people talk about mushrooms and they go, "Yeah, mushrooms are much more like humans than a mushroom is like a plant." Well, the reason is that mushrooms breathe like we do. They they breathe in oxygen and give off carbon dioxide, so do we, and mushrooms actually have a storage carbohydrate called glycogen like we do our storage carbohydrate is glycogen plants have a storage carbohydrate of um, uh, starch mushrooms do not have starch so we can measure that we can measure that and this is this is what happens is when we do the analysis of all of these different other products that are myceliated grain it's like it's mostly grain because the starch level is really, really high. When you go to buy a mushroom product, what are you looking for? Well, you're looking for an actual mushroom product. Mm-hmm. You're not looking for starch. You're not looking for this tempeh-like product. That's not what you're after, and it doesn't have the benefits that, that you're looking for. So, so when you go out into the market or if you're on the Internet looking for products, be – uh, be very clear about what you're looking for and, and look for these little tells when it talks about, when it says mycelium on there, or if it says anything about grains, that's what you'll be buying. You'll be buying a lot of starch and, uh, ultimately that's kind of a waste of money. Yeah. It would be a lot of transparency from that brand if they mentioned that, because it reminds me of, I think we have more, we have more than just mushroom products that are done this way, right? We have vitamin K2, for example, is, um, is made with health, with bacteria. And so therefore sometimes it's grown on different types of beans. And so it's commonly grown on soybeans. And so for some people that doesn't work. I had someone really sensitive to garbanzo <laughs> beans once, and she reacted to a K2 grown on a garbanzo bean. But unless you knew the background of that, you wouldn't know. So kind of along those same lines. It's just oh, oh, oh abso- absolutely. I mean, I, I uh, um, every year I go to a conference called um, Paleo FX. A lot of people out there that are that are paleo and mm-hmm. and they they don't eat yeah. grains. And there's a lot of people that are sensitive to grains. And and when they come by and say, "Oh, mushrooms! I love mushrooms!" and and I'm taking this great mushroom product, and I just say, "Well, okay, well, tell me the brand." And they tell me the brand, and I say, "Well, I hate to say this, but." that brand that you're taking is actually mostly grain and they're just like, Oh my God. You know, I mean, it's like, these are people who don't eat grains and, and, uh, they're, they're shocked, absolutely Mm -hmm. shocked. And, and like you say, I mean, the issue is truth in labeling. I mean, don't put it out there and say it's a mushroom when it's not a mushroom. It's not a mushroom. You know, this, this gets back to the whole idea of plant part. And also if, you're actually growing this mycelium and you're growing it on grain and you're not separating the grain out from the end of the process. Well, tell us, let us know, let us make that choice. Don't put it out there and call it a mushroom and try to hide that. I mean, can, can you imagine here, here's something that's, that I find just amazing is some of these companies, they're selling their, these powders to food companies. And you know what they say? They say, you know what? Our, our, mushroom products 
are very bland and they'll go with anything. In fact, they'll say they don't even taste like a mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, well, is that a Here's red flag? Here's your sign. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, Krista, is that a red flag for, for like somebody selling a mushroom product? It doesn't even taste like mushroom. Why is that? I mean, wouldn't you ask, well, why doesn't it taste like a mushroom if it's a mushroom product? Mm-hmm. So I do want to talk to you about kind of the growth and that whole thing. So basically you had said, if you see mycelium on the label or mycelialized rice or, or whatnot, um, we, you know, that's as a red flag. And so you're maybe going to see this if they're U.S. grown. So you're growing, you have a, you have a Chinese mushroom farm basically, right? So let's talk about how that started. Why did you go to China to start a mushroom farm? And then the second part is, we hear about pollution in China um, and things that grow there. So how do you view that as an issue, if at all? Well, certainly. And you know what? I I agree that, boy, you have to be careful. And, and with uh, all products and Chinese products, I mean, there's certainly a lot of uh, negative news out about uh, different Chinese products. And, and you know, and, and, and let me just say a couple of things is, is – uh, we have to do the same in the United States. I mean, the amount of pesticides and chemicals put on our food in the United States is uh, enormous. It's like it's like also, you know, I, I say to people, yeah, would you would you eat anything that's grown down on the Gulf Coast of the United States down there in, uh, you know, that whole area where they're processing all sorts of chemicals and stuff? Well, of course not. It's the same with anything grown in China. I mean, there are areas, industrialized areas that are quite polluted. Uh, and and they've got factories and things like that, and and the factories, the the uh, uh, smoke and and stuff from those factories leach out in the water and the air and gets filtered around. We grow our mushrooms, and and it's not just one farm. We deal with multiple growers. In 1997, and 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 again, I traveled all throughout China in the 90s, and I visited uh, farms and uh, institutes from north to south, east to west in China. And I, I ultimately discovered and uh, some people that I started to work with over there. I've been working with my Chinese partners now for over 20 years. And, and we, uh, in 1997, I went to China with OCIA, which is one of the top organic certifiers in the United States. I took OCIA to China with me. We had the very first organic certification workshop for mushrooms in China, 1997. I, I'm a total believer in organic certification, a total believer. My company's been certified since 1992. So in 1997, we organized this workshop over there. We had, it's really interesting, we had 24 mushroom growers come to this workshop. Today, there are tons and tons of organically certified mushrooms coming out of China and not from Chinese certifiers or anything, top-level German certifiers uh, before any of our products leave China, we test them for pesticides, heavy metals, everything. Before they even leave, when they get back over here, we test them again. But, but again, uh, for me, I, I uh, realized that that was the only place that I was going to be able to grow mushrooms at a cost that would allow mushrooms to be sold as supplements. And for that reason, there are no supplements in the United States right now, no mushroom supplements where the actual mushroom is, comes from a grower in the United States, unless, unless it's a very small little business that's wild crafting and sells a little bit here, a little bit there, but no, no major uh, companies, nothing like that. It's just simply not economical. I mean, I mean, it would be great if it was, but but it is not. So so we grow we grow our mushrooms way back in the mountains, back where we're growing the mushrooms. You look around and it's just forests everywhere, and and in some cases some rice fields. But way back in the mountains, we I just got back from China, a trip to China in early September. We visited Reishi Farms. Oh my God, it is one of the most beautiful sites you've ever seen. These and it's all grown outside in shade houses and. Uh, the the reishi mushrooms actually grow on wood that is put into the ground covered with earth and so the reishi oh mushroom gosh. comes up yeah the reishi mushroom comes up out of the out of the ground and in these these houses and I'll send you some photos because it's amazing in these houses and you'll see it's nothing but a sea of reishi mushrooms and they're they're literally uh, cap to cap it's like wall to wall 
mushrooms. It is just an amazing sight. And uh, we're, we're over there in, in September because Reishi loves hot temperatures. Oh, is it hot? Oh, my God. It was like in some of these houses, it was like 85 degrees. And, and although it's <laughs> under shade cloth, it is hot and humid. But we were there early because that's when they harvest these is in September. A lot of the other mushrooms like cold temperatures. So when we go over, we go over in uh, November where it cools off. China's a huge, huge country. So they'll grow mushrooms all throughout the country, all different locations. But again, with these farms, most of them are grown back up away from all of these industrialized areas. The water is clean. And look, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, uh, in China, I've been up, uh, we, we've toured up to a mountain and the top of the mountain and we and you walk down and then they, it's cool they have steps that go all the way down this this uh, creek that starts up there and all these beautiful pools and waterfalls the water is absolutely clear and clean but as it continues down and hits the first village and they start to put their wash water into it and then it keeps on going by the time it gets to the ocean it is a toxic soup and, and and look, if you want to see the same thing, go to Europe and go up to Switzerland and look at the water, the rivers that start in Switzerland. They are pristine. By the time they get to Holland, it is ugly brown toxic soup. So, you know, this is this is not just a Chinese phenomenon. This is something that we all have to deal with everywhere. And that's why I'm so supportive of organic agriculture. And I, I urge uh, your listeners to buy organic. We have to support organic growers. That's the only way we're going to slowly bring back food that's not uh, chemical laden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up on the northern tip of the Missouri River, so it's not any different in the United States either as far you, as... You know, exactly. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's like, can you imagine swimming in the Mississippi as it comes out around New Orleans? <laughs> when I lived in uh, St. Louis, they would say, you go swimming in that river? I'm like, it's totally different when you're on the northern tip of it. So, Well, oh, oh yes, exactly. I, I mean, it's like no different anywhere in the world, and, and it's really unfortunate, and I just feel so sorry for, first of all, for the earth earth itself, what we've done to it, but then mm-hmm. for people that have to live nearby that. And, you know, Krista, the thing that is so disturbing is that when generations grow up and that's all they know, and they do not know a time when there is pristine, clear water or clear skies, that becomes the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, Jeff, you were really describing this quite um, in a picturesque way. And I got to thinking, maybe we should take a food tour um, to China and you can show us around as a mushroom farms. So I feel like that's your next calling, just the way you describe <laughs> it. It's, you're truly a you, you're very passionate. You like to educate. I think it's a great fit for you. It's just a little side thing. It's tax deductible travel works. I mean, not that it isn't already. But anyway, just an idea. I think we should I go will- on a trip to China. I will keep you posted because I have customers that are, are asking me the same thing, and we're actually going to plan on that at some point. You know, the logistics of it is always difficult because everybody's got a different schedule, but we would give people a lot of time to to think about it and plan ahead. But, yeah, that's something that's kind of on our radar because many of our customers would love to go over there and visit the mushroom farms, and it is it is quite spectacular. I'll send right. you some photos, Krista. Absolutely. Yeah, you need a small group too. So, you know, the big question is, solve the problem for us. Where do we get, where should we go buy our mushroom supplements? Because you're the guy behind the, you're the wizard behind the curtain. You know where to buy them. What can you tell us about where we can go get mushrooms? Well, first, first, let me just to say, um, if, if your listeners would go to namex.com, that's, that's our website, N-A-M-M-E-X. I've got a lot of great information there. So people can go to my website and they can be further educated by all the information I've got. That's why I highly recommend coming to our website. Um, I, Namex is a, a business to business. We're a wholesaler. We sell to other businesses. That's what we do. We do have a, a, um, 
retail outlet where we sell the products on the internet. The uh, And the reason we do that is a lot of our customers like to take our products and blend them. And, and, uh, and you know, we're always getting calls from consumers saying, oh, gee, where can I get your products? And, and uh, so we just kind of decided, okay, we'll put out our products, uh, standalone mushroom powders. They're not blended with anything else. And we sell them on the internet at a site called Real Mushrooms, R-E-A-L, Real Mushrooms. Dot com and that's where you can you can find our, our products at the retail level and um, yeah and and then you know we've got a lot of customers out there that uh, um, all I can say you know a lot of them are, are like you know it's funny because we've got big companies we've got small companies these days we've got we sell to companies that put our products in chocolates they they put them in teas and coffees it's like people now are getting so innovative with with mushrooms and and foods in general i mean my goodness i mean you would know that i mean the food thing has just been i i'm just so it's just so interesting to see all the different food and beverages out there now and and you know even this just this idea of people moving away from soda pop <laughs> going yeah. going to beverages that are actually beneficial and ha- and uh, can give us something positive it, it's just like I, I just think you know your generation i mean i'm just so happy to see people of your generation who are as deeply committed to real food to uh clean food to good eating uh healthy lifestyle that to me is just so um, gratifying. And I thank you for pioneering that, really, because you were plowing some pretty tough, um, some pretty tough sod there in the '70s, especially, right? Trying to do, trying to get the word out. And here's the fruits of your labors. So many decades later, really, um, <laughs> it's actually pretty incredible. I think the mushrooms are keeping you looking very young. So that's oh, an excellent you. thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking. Uh, so realmushrooms.com. I'll be visiting there. Um, you know, finally, before we go, I hope I'm not forgetting anything. Oh, I was going to say, I, yeah, I see these mushrooms popping up a lot. I actually use them. I use some herbal compounds that have mushrooms built in as some like adrenal support and things. So, yeah, either you kind of see them a little bit everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you should you should also um, you should send me maybe the brands that you're using and I can, you know, just give them a quick once over and go, oh, OK, yeah, good, good, good. Not mm-hmm. good. Or, you know, yeah, so. yeah. It's fun for you, too. I know it is. I can tell. <laughs> um, yeah, excellent. So, Jeff, if you had to leave our listeners with, you know, a closing thought on like, if this is really something that's blowing their mind and they're like, okay, where do I start? You know, what would you tell them? Well, the first thing I tell people is put mushrooms into your diet. Um, so go out into your market, you know, buy some mushrooms, start out, start out, you know, with uh, small amounts and, and, uh, cook them properly see how well you like their taste. I mean, the the cool thing about mushrooms is you can put them into anything, you know, put them into stir fries. I I eat mushrooms with my um, meat. So if I'm cooking up a steak or something, I I can't eat it without mushrooms along with it. And and so you can, you know, eggs. I mean, you can put mushrooms into so many different things. They go with so many different other recipes. So, So put mushrooms into your diet if you're fortunate enough to be in a in a larger city or an area where you've got some small growers go to the farmer's market or something like that try out some of the other ones try shiitake if you can find shiitake definitely buy some shiitakes and and uh cook those up um um, oyster mushroom is good and then that that king trumpet if you can find it lion's mane if you're lucky on the west coast we have you know, so many mushroom growers, small mushroom growers that are putting these into the markets that it's not hard to find them. I know out in the Midwest, it's quite, kind of different yeah. in terms of that. And uh, it was interesting that you you just recently used a, a metaphor of, of plowing the sod or something. I thought, oh, yeah, I wonder if Krista was a, a farm girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything around me is a farm. So, yeah. Yeah. You said you're from the Dakotas. And I thought, well, yeah, OK, yeah, that's that's definitely farm country for sure. Yeah. And you're definitely in mushroom company. I am. <laughs> I look at photos from a, a someone I know who's in Port Angeles, which isn't very far from you, I think. And that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like a fairy tale when oh. she's out mushroom hunting. I'm like, oh, oh my God. 
gosh, I think I just need to go visit there. It's just if kind you of a get a chance, list. Krista, go out and visit her because that Olympic National Park, which is she's right on the edge of there, is one of the most beautiful spots in the world. And and it, what's interesting is in the 1890s, in in Seattle, they still hadn't figured out and people still hadn't gone all the way through there they actually thought that they might find shangri-la in there that <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what for me it is shangri-la if you go back in there and go during the summertime they've got trails all the way through back there they're beautiful valleys rivers lakes it's a fantastically beautiful area beautiful forests yeah yeah, sounds great. Well, I feel like I went on a trip today with you, Jeff. Um, you really settled. You really helped my wanderlust, uh, you know, today. And you really spoke to my foodie senses. So I had such a good time talking mushrooms here. It's even hard to summarize. We talked about, you know, basically mushrooms, they're growing, how to pick them out, beware of mycelium. We talked about adaptogens or use them as uh, they're really food. It's really food as medicine. And that's that's just speaking my language. When I work with people, I type in, you know, food as medicine program, right? So I like how you mentioned that right off the bat. Like, okay, yep, totally. This is up leveling stuff, right? This is how you continue to improve your life by, by looking for beneficial soup, you know, kind of superfoods, but also like, these are just things we've always had that we're taking notice of now. So yeah, and, and I appreciate you very much in having me on today. It was great to talk to you. And I, I looked at your Facebook page this morning and I went, wow, you are really doing a lot of cool stuff. So it was really, it's really wonderful to uh, to meet people like you out there, especially your generation. I mean, you're, you're kind of the same generation as my my sons. And, and, you know, it's just like I look at them and they're so much into health and exercise and diet and food. And I'm just like, it's just very, very gratifying. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you again for everything you do. It's been a blast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thanks, Krista. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 